season 2019 in the USARL has been an absolute roller coaster ride, and there's certainly been more downs than ups, that's for sure. Tonight or today, depending on when you're listening, I want to find out why. I want to know what went down, and uh, I've got a special guest who's going to join me. I'm Michael Carboni. This is episode 33 of Chasing Kangaroos. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. This episode of Chasing Kangaroos is brought to you by mascordbrowns.com and mascordbrowns.com.au. As you know, discount code KANGAROOCORD. Kangaroo, C-A-U-G-H-T, get 10% off all of your International Rugby League gear. Uh, Steve has reached out to me recently to let me know that a lot of you guys are taking up the 10% off offer using the Kangaroo Court discount code. So thank you very much. Keep doing it, guys. It's it's up for the rest of the year. So keep doing it, 10% off. And I know there's a lot of good stuff there now. Some new stuff has, that has come out recently, uh, the new Great Britain jersey which is there. Uh, I, I think a lot of the larger sizes are sold out, so hopefully you're, you're after a smaller size. The Catalans Barcelona jersey, which is really cool, is there, and the South Africa jersey is there too now. So lots of new stuff, and they are always updating all the time. Welcome to episode 33. I'm Michael Carboni, and the plan for this episode was to speak to the chairman of the USARL, uh, Danny Hansen, uh, on the season and on the state of the game over in the US. Unfortunately, Danny uh, had to pull out last minute due to some work commitments. So in the last hour, I've had to scramble and figure out who do I know that has the same sort of information on the USA, same sort of intel on the domestic comp. So very obviously, I reached out to my man, Nate Gladden, Rugby League in America podcast, just an hour ago, and he has kindly obliged to come on the show and join me. I have to talk all about it and pretty much take Danny's place with very similar questions uh, and a very open and honest discussion on the state of the game over there. So I started off by asking, uh, congratulating Nate, actually, on his third appearance on the Chasing Kangaroos podcast, which is a world record. Well, thanks three times. Uh, that probably means your your reviews and record, uh, just everything has gone down threefold. Like, no, that's man. all it means. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, whenever whenever we get together, people seem to I get good comments. Paul like some some you must make me sound better. I don't know. I think it's you Thanks. making me I'm sound better. Paul. We should bring we should bring you on my podcast then and do we've got like we'll do that. We've definitely got to bring you on because you'll make me sound better. Because the last time whenever we did one, everybody loved it. So I think I know well, what we're doing here. I think what's happening well, is man. you're trending up. We'll, we'll make it a regular thing, man. I'm happy to come on anytime you like. But, mate, I know you've got a limited time uh, today, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. So um, I really want to d- dive deep into this season of the USARL. Yeah. Of course, we've just had the semifinals this weekend. And I want it to be a brutally honest discussion because okay. um, it's not all it's not all roses and daisies over there. Like, it's been an absolute roller coaster ride this year. Yeah. And I guess the season began with the New York Knights withdrawing from the Northern Conference and it's ended with the Atlanta Rhinos pulling out of the Southern Conference Finals. Now, I'd assume I'd be right in guessing that it's probably been one of the more frustrating seasons over there. Can you shed a little bit of light on that for us? Yeah, you yeah, know, it definitely has been. 
it has been a bit of a frustrating coming off last year. Last year was a fantastic year. Um, every team was rocking and rolling. All the, everything was just going well. Um, it was it was a great run all the way to the finals. It was just yeah, it was just fun top to bottom. Some of the teams showed themselves as the season went on, and it was everything you'd want to be able to report on. Uh, and then this year has been a little bit more frustrating. There's been some. We also had Mother Nature. She's decided to come in. She can be a cruel, you know what? And uh, she decided yeah. to show up this year, and she wrecked the South this year as far as like rainouts and lightning storms and everything else. Um, it's been yesterday. It was like it blew out power in the airport I was in. Like it's just, it's just been a rough year for weather uh, down here. But then you couple that with the fact that, you know, and it, it is still, it is still a growing league. It's twenty years in, but it is still the South is very much still in development. The, you know, the North with New York, and I'll get to that. But in the South, it hasn't been that like this is the first year Lakeland was in the competition. Last year was the first year Southwest Ford was in the competition. Atlanta came yeah. to the competition five years ago and they've won a grand final, but. Five years isn't that long. You know, if you told somebody they were, you know, a team was in existence for five years, they'd still be gaining their fan base. So it's one of those things where there's a little bit of the it's still developing. It, it, it's also weather. And then a little bit of it is like, you know, we, we, we spoke before a little bit of his MLR down in Atlanta yeah. specific because of the fact that they were going through that window where all the teams like the players were trying out during that season. So. Summer sevens was affected. League was affected. Union will be affected next year. Everything is affected. Um, you know, it's one of those things when people, you get, you got to look at it, two sides of everything, right? So if you're, if you're starting up a competition, doesn't matter what sport it is. If you're starting up a competition, that's really good because then players are like, man, this is, it's something to work towards and then try to get paid to play. Then on the other hand, it means that your local clubs are going to be affected by that. So it's kind of that, you know, catch 22 when it's first starting out. And I think that from an Axman standpoint, that's really what got them was, was those two things. It's, it's hot. Atlanta plays on a scalding. Like that is of all the places in the league to play. It's the one place I just, I've played on that field uh, many times yeah. over the years and uh, both like soccer and rugby. And man, I'm tell you what that field, it feels like, it feels like it's 115 on the field. Like your, your, your boots are actually melting when you're playing on that surface. Um, like the nub, your, your the nubs of your boots will actually mold down, <laughs> and inside it will form to your feet. It's unreal how hot it is. So, but that is the best place inside the city for them to play. But I think I really do think if somebody says, "Hey, is somebody going to bounce back," I think the I think they can bounce back. I mean, like I continue to say it. It's it's not an athletic like from an athletics standpoint, they may be yeah. they, they would they may be the richest talent bed in all of the USARL as far as actual talent in the area. The biggest thing with that is it's the richest talent bed, which means every sport, every place, everybody's fighting to get them. So yeah. it makes it tougher. And then they're on an island, man. They're, they're, God, they're so many hours away uh, from everybody else that it makes it a lot tougher. That's the thing that most people will be like, oh, I can't believe they canceled a game or I can't believe they do that. And, and I get it. Like, it's frustrating as hell, for, especially for me. Like, I'm trying to re- – report on it and then I feel bad because I have to be honest and tell people but I feel bad to like you know, have to talk about the teams um, but that's why I contact them I let them know like hey guys I'm talking about this I have to um, but when it comes down to it like imagine if you I don't know imagine if one of the teams from Coogee if they wanted to play a local game they had to get on an airplane and fly up to Brisbane and they had to foot that bill yeah. like they have to foot that bill or they have to turn around and or they have to drive, and they have to drive six hours. So, I mean, like, imagine getting in the car and driving to Canberra and back just to play a local game. Like, as far yeah. as, yeah, I, like, that's, that's crazy. 
So, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's a really tough thing for, uh, for guys to do. And then, yeah, it, it, it can be frustrating when you get up North. I think the thing with New York, it's so expensive and they had a change at the last second. Their coach uh, was moving. Uh, they had players that they needed to pull back in. The MLR team also kind of affected them a little bit. Um, and at the same time that that happened, like it was just really bad timing for them to have all that. And then in New York and Manhattan, to play in Manhattan, to train in Manhattan, to do everything in Manhattan, you have to, you have to really be on top of it and you have to be ahead of the game financially. And I think it was a mix of, <clears throat> a mix of that plus more players moving on. They had like three or four players, I think, that moved um, from their core, and it just it really affected them. Uh, their intention is to come back, but like, they, they don't have intention to not come back. Uh, but they just looked at it, and they were like, we're going we're gonna to struggle for numbers and finances all year long. So I think their plan is to try to regroup. Well, you've said a couple of things there. So the first one being MLR, and for any listeners who don't know what that is, it's Major League Rugby. So I guess it's been it's it's quite a new concept over there, but it's an opportunity for rugby players in the US to maybe earn a little bit of money. So that's obviously an attractive thing, and like you said, a lot a few guys from Atlanta were probably involved in that. Yeah. Um, and what I guess happened is when they have a chance to trial and and earn some money doing something they love all of a sudden an eight or 10 hour road trip to, to Jacksonville doesn't seem very enticing. So they sort of couldn't get the numbers together this year. And I know Nick, Nick Newland was saying that he will do everything he can to, to get them happening again next year. Are you saying, so this year players will be trialing out for that MLR side next year. They'll, they'll basically have a squad. Right. So it won't affect, it won't affect I don't, the, the Rhinos next year? I don't think it'll affect them as much. The only reason, because so many people were trying out, like a good example is Nova. So yeah. Ryan Burroughs made that, uh, that old glory side. That was an MLR team yeah. in Washington, D.C. So he, he yeah. made that side for the summer season. So they were doing the same thing. So they had a couple trial games. So he missed the first two games for the Nova Eagles. Then he came back. Um, but – He's one of, I think he's one of only two guys from the local region that even made the team. A lot of guys came yeah. in from other places to try out as well. So, because that's the thing, like when you tell somebody in America they're going to get a chance to play rugby and they're going to get paid to do it, they come from all over the United States. Like they, yeah. they just come from, they come from everywhere. Um, and that, and, and that is something to understand. Like we're talking players from, I mean, I can't even tell you. People get on a plane and fly six hours just to go for a two-hour trial kind of thing. Like they would, like, in a heartbeat. Um, yeah. So it's one of those things where they're, they're competing against that. Uh, so all the local boys are going to go out for it, and then they'll be back from that. And then at the same time, that this, it's another one of those interesting – Atlanta is a very interesting thing. Atlanta is one of the hubs for sevens in America. And, and, and yeah. I know we've talked about this. I don't think anybody, I don't think people grasp how big sevens is in America. Like sevens union doesn't even grasp how big sevens is in America. It benefits from sevens, but it really doesn't. You have a lot of players that are a lot of players that are just like, I don't really care about this 15 aside game. Like I, this is a waste of my time. It's, it's getting in my way of playing sevens and they're starting to go away from it because 15s and 13, like that's not in the Olympics, but sevens is you tell an American, he can wear the red, white and blue and play in, and play in the Olympics. And he can he can travel the world on a seven circuit, and he can be and he can be a winner. He's going to do that. He can go to 15s, and he can go play the All Blacks and get pummeled by 80 points, or he can go play sevens and and enjoy good weather all around the world. They're going to try that. And it's probably why um, your boys got invited to the nines this year 
and I've spoken to a few of them yeah. uh, who will be in that squad and they're really excited despite the fact that they're, they're playing some stacked teams in Australia, New Zealand and, and Papua New Guinea. They're actually pumped to be playing against oh, they're, potentially they're some of the best in the world. I talked to one of them <laughs> so, right whenever that came out and I called him and I was like, hey man, what do you think about this? And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, this is the he's list. Like, <laughs> he was, I, I woke him up and I was like, did you see the who you're playing? He's like, I think we're playing this, this. And I was like, no, 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 you're in the same one with Australia, New Zealand and PNG. And he took half a second like, and he was like, oh shit. And then he took another second and he was like, Oh, this is amazing. Like, we have to play yeah, the best yeah. in the world. Our boys aren't scared to play them. That doesn't mean they'll win, but they're not scared. Like, they're not scared of an open field where they get to use speed and they get to play and have a fun game. Like, nines is a better – if nines became a normal thing, I think we would be a lot better than people realize at nines because we play so much sevens. Uh, I don't think we're going to – like, I'm not saying we're going to beat Australia, but I do believe that – I do believe that our boys are going to be a lot more conditioned and capable to adjust to nines than people realize. I'm looking forward to watching it. I got my tickets today, and uh, I'll be there. And uh, US are actually playing PNG as it's the final game on the first night on Friday night, so that'll be really interesting to see how they go and what sort of standard they're at. I think it's going to be good. But look, we could talk nines all day, but let's jump back to yeah. the USARL. And you mentioned something really interesting, and it wasn't. This is a question about notice or a topic about notice, but you talked about Ryan Burrows and he's um and he playing for Old Glory, playing rugby for Old Glory, and then coming back to Nova. And that, to me, I've been watching his his um, Instagram feed and and having conversations with him about it, and you can really see the difference from rugby union and rugby league just from his feed because there's a lot of old glory stuff there. And I think if you asked Ryan, and I'm, I, I don't want to speak on his behalf, but if you asked him seriously over a drink or two, he'd probably tell you that rugby league is his preferred version of rugby. But his Instagram feed is full of really cool old glory photos. And that's because they're marketing themselves so much better. And, and I think it really just shows the leaps and bounds that Rugby Union is ahead over there and what we're sort of um, up against in terms of marketing. And, and I mean, if you're a player, you want to go where the, where the limelight is, right? You want to be in the spotlight. So these are the sorts of things that we need to start looking at. And it's really hard in a, in a competition where um, teams are traveling eight to ten hours in a local comp yeah, and um, and and where you know there's only you know ten to twelve teams. Well, and um, and, I, and I, there's something that you just said I need a key on because I think it's really important. So yeah. you don't even have to get him drinking to tell to flat out tell you league is better. Like he's he has said that multiple yeah. times to me. Uh, he he would without a doubt like if somebody said, "Well, I'm going to pay you the exact same amount on both sides," he would go to league every ten out of ten times. He'd go to league. Every player that plays league would probably go to league over union. I, I just, I don't know that many. I mean, maybe some of the boys that are playing that are props that are like, whew, I'm really freaking tired of getting back 10 meters. Yeah. I mean, if I were a, if I had a props body, I don't know that I'd want to play league over union just simply because I can take some plays off in union. Um, and, and that's just me though, but, but I don't have a, I don't have a big boy body, but um, that said league, <clears throat> I think everybody would take league, but you interestingly said, League's not being marketed over here. If I'm completely honest, league's, league's not being properly – it's not properly marketed anywhere to include Australia. Oh, well, that's – like, yeah, yeah, that's is a awful. big picture like, question. I hate to say that. League is awful at it, but I, like, I know that league exists. I would honestly say most, most Americans would know rugby. They have no idea that league exists. They don't even know the sport exists as a sport, and they don't, they yeah. don't know. The only thing they know – because we think more international sport. They know about the Wallabies. 
every single American that has ever heard of or seen rugby, they would be like, they wouldn't know the Wallabies name, but they would be like, oh, that's the only, oh, that's that, that's the Australian team. They would know them immediately when they saw them on TV. If they saw it, they would know. They'd be like, oh, that's the Australian rugby team. They would know them. They couldn't tell you one team that plays in that in their league, and they couldn't tell you anything. But they couldn't tell you about the Kangaroos at all. They wouldn't even know what they were looking at. But they know the Wallabies. That yellow top, green bottom. It is. It immediately stands out. They know it because international rugby gets put on TV. Like they do a better league. Does not league marketing league inside of your own country is not marketing like that's that's easy marketing it's marketing outside when you're the biggest brand it's like the nfl it's like the nrl if they want to do something they have to do it like the nfl does it if they want to actually be an international brand they have to do that if they don't it's not a big deal i don't think it's wrong that they don't but they have to make that decision kind of thing but i I don't think anybody would know that i don't think of 340 million people i'd say 300 39 million and however many to get it to about 500 they don't know that any they don't know the league is a sport yeah wow and it's funny look i do think the nrl is getting better believe it or not yeah and i, I think too. you mentioned the nfl we are like we are taking leafs out of the nfl's book playbook when it comes to marketing and we're, we're i think they will get better and better i do too um so i'm pretty confident of that you mentioned that no one in uh, the u.s knows players' names from the Wallabies. That's funny because I don't think many people in Australia know many of the Wallabies players anymore right. outside of the ones that have played rugby league. So it's really funny that you say that. That's crazy. And, and the ARU were really good at marketing a few years ago, but I think, look, things are changing for rugby as well. But we won't talk too much about that. No. But, um, but, but yeah, man, and we do have an issue with marketing rugby league-wide. I think it is a big issue around the world. And specifically right here, I just thought it was a good example, you know, and, and rugby unions seem to know what they're doing no matter what level of the sport, no matter what country. They've, they've sort of got those, they've just got that, that marketing now, which is, uh, which is interesting. And I think it's something that we need to aspire to over there, um, without a doubt. Mate, let, let's, let, like, I think it's, it's hard to talk about it because from an Australian earlier, and I think I speak for all Australian international fans when I say, and it's not that we expect it to be great, but we, we just really want it to be a great Things like get a little bit, I guess, upset because we know what the potential is for our sport and we know what a gr- how great it would be to have a rugby league as well. So, um, but, but I do want to have this honest conversation with you. And I, mean, I, I want to also talk about some positives as well. Yeah. Though New York Knights did fold, but what that meant was the Brooklyn because a few of those Knights boys are now with the Kings, plus a few others. Yeah. And you've got sides like the Kings, whilst we've got a few sides, you know, that are... Well, there are teams like the Kings and Jacksonville who are pretty close to like a semi-pro level if they wanted to be. They could probably get there in a few years' time mm-hmm. and they do things right. And they, they, you know, while things aren't in place yet, in plans where it's like, you know, just, it's kind of like my an Oztag team that I would play for here in getting together and who's <laughs> playing this weekend and it's kind of, you know, just an excuse to, to have a run around. So it's, let's talk about some of those positive teams and like tell me a little bit about the teams and the players that have stood out this year and what we can sort of build upon up on for next year as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think... 
I think a couple of names that'll stand out, and obviously, you know, <clears throat> I'll just throw out a couple of them. First off, uh, with the Axemen, Khalil Harris and Kalik Webb, those are two guys who are pretty new to the sport. One's been playing for like a year. One's just started this year. Uh, both are big guys, uh, and they do a really good job. Kalik Webb is a monster of a man, and he can actually get out and move a little bit. So I think he's going to be a good player going forward. I think a couple of the uh, – a <clears throat> couple of kings, obviously, as well. Kevin Reed Jr., people have heard of. They know about – you know, they know about Jamil. They know about Brandon. Jerome East Hope is their hooker. He's really good. Um, I think I think the Mayhem, uh, Tampa Mayhem, they have J.L. Hauser. He is a, he's a guy who's played in the Coast uh, – played Coast Guard 7s and stuff like that. A military guy who plays for them. He plays a lot of fullback for them. I, I'm a big fan of J.L. Hauser. He's a really good player. Um, he's just someone that keeps coming back every year and getting better, and he's, he's like the perfect teammate kind of guy. Um, and then Boston, they've done a really good job. One of the interesting things is – uh, there is is uh, or not interesting but exciting players. There is uh, Eden Price, so he's one of their imports. But Eden has done a great job of playing at the fullback. He's just he is just every ball they put back there, he's ready to return it. It's always positive yardage. He just comes forward with the ball. He doesn't dance around with it. He just he gets them in a position to start every series. And then yeah, from what I've seen out of Boston, like if the season was longer, they'd be a shot because they they're getting better. Oh, that they, that game this weekend against Brooklyn is not a gimme. Like they they lost. They got they got beat in the first game and then in the second game they were with them for 60 minutes and then this like they, they've gotten better and they feel more confident like they like their players are continuing to get better and it's I think that I think they are going to be one of those dangerous that's another team that at the beginning of the year was affected by the MLR because the new jacks were playing so or the free jacks were yeah. playing. so they're now all their players are back in so I actually think this game this weekend is going to be a monster I think the team uh, one of the players is Dante Jaquette. So he's a young guy. He plays for the Delaware Black Foxes. This is his first yeah. year playing, uh, and he's playing hooker. I think he had three tries and set up three other tries this past or, or last weekend against the not last week weekend before against Nova. But I think the team, the Delaware Black Foxes team, their stock is rising. Like so, I saw him play last year. They they beat some teams by a lot, and then they turn around and they would get absolutely hammered by teams. And they weren't really together as a unit, but they had a lot of good athletes. Now, this year, the games they lost, they lost very close games. They did lose 44-22 to 22 over uh, against Boston, so on paper it looks like a blowout. But through the first 55 minutes of the game, it was within a try of each other. And then Boston got that home field advantage and just started to pull away. But yeah. the Black Foxes have gotten better, and I think they're actually in a really good spot. They sit center uh, of, of the Northern Conference. So even though Boston is still a long way for them, other than that, New York is a couple hours away. Philly is just down the street from them because you can pretty much see Philadelphia from, from where they play. So, um, And then you've got Nova down south of them, but not too far. But they pretty much pull where they sit. They pull all the athletes from their region, uh, and they're starting yeah. to gain more ground. And the good thing for them is they have, like, I think they have four local union teams. So they talk amongst themselves, and they pull from all of them. So they continue to get more and more and more. And then what's happening is those players in that region, those players are leaving sevens. They're just leaving sevens to come play league, and they're leaving union to come play league. So they're starting to build – uh, I think they're doing – I think five years from now – I mean, it could be even sooner, but I think in the next five years, I legitimately believe if they keep going in the way that they're going, the the Black Foxes will win a championship. And I think they will be one of the – like, they will be a team that just quietly continues to get better. And somebody looks around and they go, oh, wait, they just won it all. Like, I, to me, the Black Foxes are probably – 
they're probably the most refreshing team in the competition. And when you go there, the boys are having fun. Like even when they lose, they're having fun. Their fans are yeah. having fun. And they've got I tell you the other thing, they got a lot of kids on the sideline running around. And they're that's what you want to say. Deep. Yeah, that's good. And they're deep other than other than the Kings and the Axemen, they have the deepest roster I've seen. I've seen eight to ten guys standing on the sideline waiting to play. Like they're deep. Well, I'll tell you what, the Nova Eagles could have used that this weekend. And let, let's talk about results, man. Yeah. So the finals that just came up in the north and the south, and you've had you've mentioned Boston 13s 44 over the Delaware Black Foxes 22. Brooklyn Kings won via forefoot against the Nova Eagles, and it's not an Atlanta Rhino situation. I think it's important to note that they simply had. I think I heard um, I, I read an interview today um, with with Danny Hansen, and he said they probably had about six players that weren't injured, so they they really couldn't yeah they really take, couldn't take part in that game, which is really unfortunate. And people need to understand, you know, there's no reserve grade or anything like that over there. So if, if everyone's injured, there's nothing you can do. And I think the Kings still would have beat them quite convincingly. Yeah. Um, but but unfortunately, that game didn't get to happen. I get a sense that the North is a, a more well-rounded competition. The teams that don't have as far to travel, um, they've got a few more rugby clubs to pull on that are local. And there's just it's there's a bit more going on there than the South. Is that yeah, I'd say, would yeah. I be right in saying yeah, that? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, they, they do have more teams to pull from. Uh, they have that. It, it, I think that area, like a lot of people don't necessarily get out and go away. Like in the, in the, you know, a lot of people in the summertime in the South, they're out, man. The weather, like it allows them to get out on the boat, to get out on the water, yeah. everything else. It's just, it's a little bit more of a vacation vibe. You get that in the North, people get out and stuff whenever it's, it's warm like that, but it's a little bit different. Um, you know, city people stay in the cities kind of thing a lot of times. So a lot of the guys will stay around. And then it, it's been an established competition for longer too. I mean, the sport's been here for about 20 years and it's been, yeah. it, it started in Philly and it's hubbed right there. So the teams that are right around there, they tend to do a little bit, a little bit better in that. Uh, it can go up and it can go down. Um, but yeah, I'd say the North, I'd say the North is a little bit more well-rounded when it comes to player availability without a doubt they probably have more access and like nova for instance i watched four of their players they they start they had a 17-man roster when they started the final game of the season against delaware at the end of the game they had 13 players and they were struggling yeah, well, like they just and i watched yeah. four injuries like season-ending injuries happen in one game yeah it makes it tough man and you'll see well it is a closer competition up north that's for sure and you'll see by some of these score lines down south for the semi-finals so jacksonville axman 68 to nil over southwest florida copperheads uh, and tampa bay mayhem uh, 68 to six over the lakeland renegades and, and lakeland you know they they were lucky to be called up after atlanta pulled out so they got a shot there it's their first year i don't think anyone's going to blame them for for losing like that but i think um david Ulch and the boys have done a really good job yeah. and i think Lake, lakeland have a bright future so north we've got boston versus brooklyn winner goes to the grand final winner takes the north and goes to the grand final in the south we've got jacksonville versus tampa um i think i know who your predictions would be but just just for the listeners who who do you think will win those games i do think jacksonville beats uh, Tampa and I do think Brooklyn beats Boston. That said, I won't be shocked if either of those teams. I would be more shocked if Jacksonville lost, only because I, yeah. like, I, I say that I saw Jacksonville play Tampa, and there was there was they they weren't on the same field. Uh, when I saw Brooklyn play Boston, they were on the same field for sixty minutes. That said, um, Tampa got a lot better as the year went on, uh, and they are going to go into that game rolling. Um, if any team could beat Jacksonville in the South, it's going to have to be Tampa. And it's going to simply be because they, they've they they've got their club structure. They've got some good players. They've got that. 
the biggest thing against them is they split this year and Lakeland started a team not not fractured in a bad way, fractured in a good way. They were just like, hey, we've started to get too many people from out here. We need to start a team here. Uh, and so it, it was it was a positive expansion, uh, but it did hurt the mayhem, which I thought could have come into this year. And if they'd have had if they'd have had like four four or five Lake, Lakeland players that experience, they could have been a really dangerous side. But so I think Jacksonville does win that game. I think it'll be closer than it has been. Um, the interesting one would be Brooklyn. Like for the first time all year, I heard Coach Richardson say like he felt really good about his side after that final game of the season, he's like, I feel really good now. Like they, like all year he's been like, ah, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got he, he felt yeah. good. Um, when Brooklyn finally, cause they have nobody's seen, I don't think anybody's seen their full squad together yet. They've had so many players that they have basically been able to give guys the week off and rest while the other ones play. Um, so they're just now going to be putting their full roster together. They could play Boston. It could be an upset and it could be crazy. They could also play Boston and win by 50. Like I, I'm very interested to see what team shows up this week. And I think if they both go through when, when they host Jacksonville, that would be just, that would be a nasty rematch. Yeah. Cause the final will be in the North, right? This will, year. Cause Brooklyn last year was in Brooklyn the South. Boston will be hosting. That'll be really cool. And I assume uh, all of these games are going to be streamed on the various Facebook pages and things like that. Have we got confirmation of that yet? Or I think Jacksonville, uh, yeah, Jacksonville's hosting, so Jacksonville will be streaming. They usually use their YouTube page, but you can find it on you can find the link on their Facebook and then go to it. But they usually do it on their YouTube page. And then I don't know who's doing Brooklyn's yet this weekend. My intent is right now is to get up there to the game. Um, so if all else fails, I may be I, I may stream it. Um, <laughs> But then I do know that they're obviously they're planning on streaming the grand final um, wherever they'll be. They'll be streaming the grand final. So um, beautiful. And I'm excited about that. I'm hoping I'm, I'm hoping that I can uh, get to the grand final no matter where it is. Uh, and have well, fun. I think it's going to be Brooklyn versus Jacksonville as well. Uh, I do hope there's an upset because I always hope there's an upset. Yeah, no matter what, <laughs> what, no matter what, it's always it would be cool. Um, so, but yeah, I think no doubt Brooklyn Jacksonville. And I, I said at the start of the year, Brooklyn Kings to take out the whole thing. Uh, but I'm a Brooklyn Kings fan, so of course I'm going to say that, um, mate. Look, you mentioned something as well, and I, I kind of—I know you haven't got much more time, so maybe we touch on this subject now, and maybe we um, dive deep on this topic in a future podcast, whether it be on my show or on yours. Okay. But um, you said you said something really interesting, which was you know Tampa, uh, Lakeland Renegade split from Tampa. I kind of think we need to see more of that in the USARL because. There's there's a lot of team. Oh, there's a few teams in a large area, especially in that Southern Conference. So the fact that Tampa and Lakeland are an hour drive away is really good. It's much better than having to travel eight to ten hours to get to a game. So I think we st- need to start seeing like, you know, if Brooklyn Kings have enough enough players for two teams and they need to split. If Jacksonville can get a couple of teams, and I think we need to start seeing the competition sort of changed and try and get more teams in, in smaller geographic areas. And if that means more conferences or something, then so be it. I'm really interested to hear your opinions on the future of the USARL because it's been a tough season. I think if we have a few more like it, then we're, we're very, there's a major concern that, you know, we could see the USARL disappear if, yeah. if it keeps going the way it is. What have we learned this year that is going to make us better next year? And, and what needs to happen? for 2020 i think uh i think one thing is the recruiting of players they need to be doing active recruitment of players and i think they would probably all say that after seeing this year and some of the teams have like obviously they have they have they have they have deep teams um i think that would be a big 
big part of it. They would learn from that. I think they need to have more teams. They need to focus very close into identifying which places can have clubs and where they can build them and focus heavily on that. They already did that in the South once when they started Tampa and they started Atlanta and they started the Central Florida Warriors who have since gone away. Uh, a lot of those players were so close anyways to Jacksonville. So, um, but but I think they need to work on that. I think that needs to be the focus the next couple of years is where to build the club so they don't have to go as far. I think as far as long-term, I think you'll see, or I, I hope you'll see, and this is what, if it, you know, if, if I'm king for a day kind of concept, you know, if I'm, if I'm painting yeah. a picture, I think there needs to be a competition on the West coast. I think the boys in Cali are trying to do that. It's going mean, I don't expect yep. them to pop up overnight, but I think you'll see things. I think you'll see little things happen this year, more things happen next year, and then possibly getting into like a lead competition a couple of years down the road. But if it, uh, it, I look at it, I think there needs to be a West Coast league, not the USARL. It needs to be its own separate league. It's just too far away. Yeah. Uh, Agreed. A West Coast uh, league that feeds into the national team, same thing as the USARL, and then also a Midwest. Um, I think there needs to be three, and I think I think that needs to be there. If I'm looking at long-term what you would want, you'd want an actual competition above the USARL um, that would be like an MLR, like a semi-professional that allows players to know that they want to get into that. But I think the biggest thing is they need to focus it, really lock it in, and focus more on trying to build teams. Like for Atlanta, they need to have teams in Chattanooga, Tennessee. They need to have teams in Charlotte, North Carolina. They need Columbia, South Carolina, Nashville, and Tennessee maybe Montgomery, Alabama, like they need, they need clubs that are within two or three hours of them. And that's still a long yeah. way for most people, but like, you're not going to get little, you're just not going to get league clubs popping up in little small towns in America. It's just not that the sport's never going to, it's not going to ever do that. Like you're not going to be able to have local little teams that are 20 minutes down the road from each other. Um, it's always, even, even rugby doesn't do that. Uh, it, no, men's leagues in any sport doesn't really do that. So you know, softball will do that. For instance, American softball will do that. And they'll have 10 teams in a local league and that's, but that's pretty much like the only sport. And then soccer will have like mm. five aside games. That's really mm. the only thing adults have in America. It's just very weird, but our culture is so built around work that once you get to, I mean, once they get to a certain age, it's like done. Nope. Like the only thing that matters is the only thing that matters is working. And that is, yeah, that's our society. Like that's just, that's the way we're built. That's why we need the league that uh, maybe pays some wages and that a becomes paid, worth for some a, people. A but... <laughs> wages, wages paid league would change the game here. <laughs> wages paid league here could take over. I don't think people understand that too because it's been a little bit of like a, I know people think like I'm very blunt when I talk when it comes to it. So there's some things that sound yeah. negative, but I don't mean them in a negative way. Uh, but the honest answer is if league has – if. It, like I, I looked at, I saw somebody complaining about Kalen Ponga and like four years, six million, and I look at that and I'm like, well, that's atrocious. He's making about, I don't know, probably about thirty million less than he should. He should be making <laughs> so much more than he's making. Like I think the league made forty six million last year in positive money, and that's really good. Like it's all more money. It's more money than I have, but forty six yeah. million is what he should be making in a contract. And I know I just made everybody probably lose their mind when I said that, but that's what it needs to be. But I think elite, the sport of league in America, if you built it. If the NRL brought the money they had over here, if they picked up their entire league's funding and they said, okay, that $46 million, we're going to dump that into America, and they hubbed it into, like, one central region, like, focused on, like, six cities, they could, with $46 million inside of three years, they could turn that into $400 million. If they did it the right way, they could do it. The sport is too exciting for America to not take to it, 
it's just not it doesn't have the right group of people doing it because there's no funding inside of it but if if you took that money if somebody gave me a million dollars like just a million dollars and you were able to hub it into a certain area you could turn that into 10 quickly in america that's the sport is too amazing for it not to take off it's just a matter of the marketing piece of it and the funding a couple of things I will say there, and I'm confident that we talk about the NRL marketing, the money that the NRL has, and the NRL is really the white knight for rugby league around the world. I say that because they're making money. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only, it's the only competition that makes money. And I'm confident that, you know, at the moment we're trying to take over the Pacific in terms of the islands yeah, and things like that. Great. Once that's done, it's either Asia or US that's next. And I, I'm pretty sure that somewhere in the NRL, down in the dungeon at an NRL HQ, They've got a big map of the world, and they've just got they've got their plan set out. I don't know when that will be, but um, I'm pretty certain that USA will be on the radar in the decades to come. That's for sure. That's if the Super League doesn't get there first with this yeah, uh, New York side. I think they'd be smart uh, to get there. I really like what you said about smaller smaller competitions popping up around the place, Midwest and and on the West Coast. Um, I'm, I agree with that, and I think I, I would love to um, take a deep dive into what that should look like and how that grows with you uh, when you've got a bit more time. Maybe we do a whole episode or a whole podcast dedicated to that because I think that people ask me about it all the time and I think both of our listeners would really enjoy that. So let's do that. But, um, mate, I know you're a, you're a busy man and I've you told me you've got half an hour. We've been going for about nearly 40 <laughs> minutes, so you probably need to get to work or something like that, mate. Um, so, Nate, unless there's anything else you want to mention before we go. Actually, I've got one more question, but is there anything else you want to mention before I ask that? No, I'm good. Man, um, my last question, you met, you hinted last time we were together that uh, the New York Super League or RFL consortium <laughs> there might be taking that New York Knights license in the USARL in 2020. Any more news on that or uh, you can't really I, say? I can't say anything definite. What I can say is this. When I mentioned that, a lot of people in a lot of different avenues, not just fans, contacted me within half an hour. And they were like, where did you get this? Why did you say this? And I was like, hmm, I guess I'm on to something. And then I promised all of them that I wouldn't say anything else for a bit. But I definitely, through a couple sources, found out more than they thought I would find out. And I was like, hmm. So there will be more to come, but I haven't been able to. I think everybody went silent after that. So I made all the right people mad and the right people happy. And uh, <laughs> they've all gone quiet. But uh, but yeah, no, there's definitely something there. I don't think that it's – I don't think that it is for 2020, though. I think I think the one thing from everybody contacting me is they would maybe buy it, but it would be going into 2021 where it would take official uh, – things but i don't know anything I, I wouldn't say anything beyond what i had already said and feel definite about it well sorry if i got you into more no, trouble man did. by asking the question but but thank you for saving my ass tonight as always it's been an absolute pleasure i'll be sure to um put all your links and stuff in our show notes but everyone who listens to me knows who you are rugby league in america mr nate gladden uh, and uh time for you to go to work mate and probably time for me to go to bed so right. thank you very much nah, thank you brother and, um Man, I'm sure we'll talk very soon. Absolutely. This episode of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast is brought to you by the Memorial Bears. And I have the founder, Josh Day, with me here today to explain a little bit about the Bears and uh, what they're all about. So, Josh, mate, uh, what's the purpose of the Memorial Bears? 
Yeah, g'day, Michael. First two things for having us tonight, mate. So um, with Memorial Bears, mate, look, it's um, it's been a bit of an ongoing process. Um, started around about 12 months ago. Uh, unfortunately, we lost my brother to bowel cancer. And, and look, when he was crook, we spoke a lot about, you know, what we can do to actually ensure no one else went through um, what he actually went through. And, you know, when we passed away, we looked at creating a charity. And, and with charities, it's all about raising money. And for us, it's not about raising money, but it's more about raising awareness. Um, and through, through bowel cancer, the one thing we learned is, you know, it's soon to be Australia's biggest cancer killer. But at the same time, though, it's the most curable cancer if detected early. And it's something which we couldn't quite get our head around. And when we discovered the lack of awareness that was actually out there, we thought what better platform to get it out there than create an actual rugby league team, you know, because we're not about raising money, but raising awareness. You know, we've been involved in the game for a very long time. Um, and through rugby league, you know, through um, through social media and, and lots of media outlets, we're able to create awareness and, and talk about what we want to do. So that's where the, uh, the bear started from, mate. Mate, you are doing an incredible job, and um, I'm sure there are many. Everyone's been touched by cancer in some way, and and bowel, bowel cancer in particular for many families and people as well. So, congratulations on all that you're doing, Josh. How can our listeners help or get involved um, to help out? Yeah, thanks, mate. No, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, if anyone gets it, wants to get in touch with us, um, all you need to do is check us, check us out on Instagram at Memorial Bears, um, or Memorial Bears on Facebook. Um, Mate, it's not just about creating awareness, but it's all about talking to people as well. And a lot of people have been through what our family has as well. And we've had a few messages and inboxes from different people who actually, you know, have a family member going through it at the moment or have been through it. So talking is key. So feel free, anyone's out there, inbox me, talk, mate, more than happy to. Well, there you go. Nate Gladden saving my ass uh, on the show tonight. Thanks for that. And, uh, the third time he's been on Chasing Kangaroos. It certainly won't be the last time because you guys, whenever he and I are together, uh, there seems to be a really good response. So fantastic and uh, great to have Nate on as always. But it's time, that time of the week. You know what it is. It's golden points. Let's get stuck in. So I've got some really good ones today. Um, Let's do it. So guys, let's start in Fiji. So the Fiji National Vodafone Cup will be decided between the Rava Ravo Rabbitohs and the Army Bears. So that'll be this weekend, I believe. The Army Bears defeated the Police Sharks last week, 40-18, to in their semi-final. While it was a much closer affair for Rava Ravo, I hope I'm saying that right, they defeated the Nadira Panthers, 28 points to 26. So uh, great stuff there. About 15 teams in that Fijian comp, so plenty of uh, plenty of those guns will be running around in the, um, the Sydney comp, the Ron Massey Cup, next year for Fiji, uh, for the Fijian side, that's for sure. Guys, golden point over to the UK and the in the Northwest Men's Division, the Premier Scottish Club, the Edinburgh Eagles. We've mentioned them a few times and we really love supporting these guys. Well, they lost their semi-final against the Harrow Vikings, 20 points to 18 after a last play penalty goal. So absolutely gut-wrenching for the Eagles. Uh, but they have one more bite of the cherry when they host the Westview Warriors at home this week uh, for one shot to get in that grand final. And uh, it'll be fantastic to see a Scottish side there, um, that's for sure. Guys, Golden Point, so over in Europe, uh, and the Czech Republic's Vaklabi Mad Squirrels, who we've mentioned on the show before, well, they've just hosted this uh, Sweden Skein Stag side in an international domestic friendly. So the Stags, uh, they took the win 21 points to 16. Uh, but yeah, really cool to see clubs from Czech Republic and Sweden playing. So loving it. Hashtag grow the game. Guys, Golden Point, uh, Nines World Cup. The draw was announced over the weekend. You've probably heard all about it. Uh, the first night will feature an Australia versus New Zealand double header. 
uh, which is really cool. So the nations will be playing off back to back in men's and women's. Um, but yeah, it's going to be so exciting. I've got my tickets. Uh, I hope you do as well. And if you do, let me know. Maybe we can have a beer before or after the games or something like that on one of the days. That'll be really cool. So let me know if you're coming. Guys, Golden Point. This one's in Sydney, but it's the Latino Nines. So the Latino Nines have been officially confirmed and will take place on September 7 at All Saints in Liverpool. And uh, I played a few high school games against All Saints, so they were brutal. But uh, All Saints Liverpool, the tournament will feature champions Chile. Brazil will be there. Uh, Uruguay will be there. El Salvador will be there. I'm very excited to see our friends from Peru will be there as well. And, of course, Nicaragua, who will be making their rugby league debut at the tournament. Uh, you will see the Chasing Kangaroos logo on their jerseys on the sleeve. So that's really exciting stuff. Hopefully I can get out there as well. But uh, these are, of course, the Australian Heritage versions of these sides. Uh, but still really cool to see Chile, Brazil, Uruguay, El Salvador, Peru and Nicaragua at the Latino Nines in Sydney this year. Tickets are 5 bucks if you're keen to get down there. There'll be plenty of food. There'll be entertainment. Uh, so if you're around Liverpool on September 7, make sure you check it out, guys. Uh, guys, Golden Point over to Ireland. And a uh, domestic rugby league update for these guys. And uh, the Dublin Exiles, uh, they're through to the Irish Rugby League Grand Final after a 48-22 to semi-final victory over Galway. Hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, remarkably, the Exiles uh, only scored their first points after 50 minutes. So the, all those 48 points came in the last half an hour of the game, which is quite incredible. They'll now face the Longhorns in the grand final Saturday, August 10, which is in a couple of days' time. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm going to tip. I'm going to tip Dublin. <laughs> we'll see how we go. But really funny, the guys from Dublin, they reached out to me uh, early in the week and said, oh, hey, we're into the grand final. Can you please share it on the show? And I said, uh, it's already on my list. So thank you, boys, for reaching out, though. And uh, they've promised me that they'll give me a little bit of an update and a little bit of a wrap-up of their grand final so I can share that on our socials and on the show with you guys next week. So look out for that one. And thanks to the guys at Dublin for reaching out. Golden point, guys, over to the NRL. And uh, unfortunately for myself, the Mighty Dragons, well, if we didn't know they were out of the semi-final race a few weeks ago, it's confirmed now. There is absolutely no chance that they can make it. The St. George Laura Dragons are out. I'm a very sad, bitter uh, Dragons fan. Uh, a couple of people asked me if I was going to the game last week, if I'm going to this, the game this week. My answer has been an absolute no. I have no interest in paying money to watch them play. I'm a sad, bitter St. George fan. I hope they can do better next year. But I am looking forward to the finals. There's some good teams there. It's going to be a good race. So I was having to think this week about who I think will win and who I want to win because you guys seem to ask me that a fair bit whenever I put up Q&As on, on Instagram. Uh, who I think will win, uh, I'm going to say the Storm. Everyone's saying the Roosters, South Storm, I think, at the moment. I'm going to say the Storm simply because the year after they lose a grand final, they usually win one. So I'm going to say the Storm are my pick to win. Who I want to win are the Canberra Raiders. So while the Dragons are, are out, the Raiders will be my top eight team. And uh, I really hope that English contingent can get them through. And it'll be good to see the green machine at the top. So that'll be really cool. Golden Point and uh, Middle East Africa. So the fixtures for the MEA Championship 2019 have been released. October 2, we're going to see Morocco versus Cameroon and Nigeria versus Ghana. Three days later, October 5, the losers of those games will play off for third place. The winners will play off for first place. Uh, my early tip's Nigeria, but I say that without knowing much about the squads. I'm actually a little bit surprised that Nigeria is playing Ghana first up because I thought 
they would be the two favourites. But uh, not nothing against Morocco or Cameroon. I've just seen some footage of Ghana and uh, they look good. So, but yeah, that's going to be really interesting. Hopefully, we get uh, some coverage in Australia. I uh, would love to see it on Facebook, even if it's a Facebook stream or something like that. That'll be really cool. Uh, Golden Point over to Lebanon. And guys, believe it or not, domestic rugby league is back, or it appears to be back in the trouble, troubled rugby league nation. So the um, Lebanese Rugby League Federation reported on Twitter last week that the Wolves uh, from the Beirut region have defeated Tripoli um, 20 points to 18 at the Olympic Stadium in Tripoli. Now, I spoke to a representative from the Wolves just to confirm this information, and uh, he was really good, actually, very professional. I was really impressed with, with the conversation that I had with these guys. He told me that uh, Mike Tibet's conversion of a Fawed Andari try won the first match of the 2019 Lebanese Club Championship. I'll read you what he told me. So he said, we're thrilled that the Lebanese Rugby League Federation has relaunched the Lebanese Rugby League Club Championship. While this edition is a pilot championship, so it's a pilot championship this year, all clubs involved reaffirm their commitments to raising standards on and off the field, which has always been the overarching development goal. That said, without the R um, LRLF having weathered the storm uh, and continued to successfully administer the CRL, which is a university, and the SRL, which is a school competitions throughout the past seasons, while issues with clubs were resolved, all senior clubs wouldn't have had a strong pool of athletes to draw uh, from. We're proud to be working with the Lebanese Rugby League Federation towards a bright future. So some positive uh, positive things there coming out of uh, Lebanon. I know that uh, the, the few clubs that were against the Lebanese Rugby League Federation, they're not involved in this at all. Um, so the split is still there, which is a real shame. Uh, I know that some representatives from uh, European, uh, the European Rugby League Federation have tried to... to bandage things up uh, to no avail apparently so we're going to watch this space closely because um, I'm hoping that there can be some sort of resolution I'm really on the side of I'm on the side of the clubs man I really hope the clubs can get this together because there's a lot of potential in Lebanon but uh, you will mention that um, that I said, we said that it's a pilot championship which I found really interesting so it's not a full competition it's just a few games they're going to see how it goes uh, and the the big goal will be for 2020 to be bigger and better uh, than it has been in the past. Um, really cool uh, to see that it's happening. And round two, the Wolves will be at it again. They're going to be playing uh, Elmina, which is a new side. Uh, they'll be playing that game in Beirut on Friday, August 9th, which as I'm recording will be two days' time. I'm recording on a Wednesday. Um, and Elmina is a new team, so I haven't heard of them before until today when I got this news uh, they're basically, they've had some junior teams in the past, so they're a young side. It'll be interesting to see how they go against the Wolves, who are quite strong by the look of things. But um, yeah, really interesting to see. Lebanon Domestic Rugby League is back. And speaking of Domestic Rugby League being back, uh, Golden Point Russia, um, it's back there too. So, which is really exciting stuff. A few months ago, we mentioned that the Russian Championship would be back on the cards for the first time, that it had been penciled in for the end of the year. Uh, it's the first time since 2017, actually, that we've that we've seen some domestic activity outside of like nines competitions. So I can now confirm that the championship will be held in Russia uh, from August to October 2019. Uh, it'll be, and the very best from the tournament will be selected to form 
the uh, part of the Russian camp leading into their World Cup qualifiers against Scotland and Greece. And my source from Russia tells me that uh, former Russian powerhouse Lokomotiv Moscow are one of the sides who will be taking part. Uh, so you can watch this space for more to find out who else will be there. And of course, if you're a long-time international rugby league fan like I am, you'll remember Lokomotiv Moscow back in the early 2000s when Russia were the next big thing in rugby league. They were um, pretty much like the Red Star Belgrade of Europe um, back then. So really exciting to see. Hopefully more comes from it, and hopefully they can find a good squad of players uh, for these uh, for the World Cup qualifiers later in the year. Guys, um, that's all the golden points for tonight. I do want to mention a couple of podcasts, actually, a couple of shout-outs. So I, I normally shout-out <laughs> to the likes of uh, Nate Gladden, Rugby League in America. Thanks for helping me again tonight, mate. I always shout out to the guys from the Howling Hour. Always some really good episodes uh, every week. I really enjoy listening to them. And of course, the Hard Yards from Lee Addison, which I uh, I appear on every couple of weeks. And I really enjoy listening, especially to the ones I don't appear on. I like, you know, I'm not a big fan of the sound of my own voice, believe it or not. But um, I do want to shout out to two podcasts that I've, I've really been enjoying recently. So the first one is the Rugby League Digest. Um, so these guys are really good. Last year, they were, they were pretty much, you know, just another NRL fan podcast, and they did that for a couple of years. But this year, they decided to go um, history, like full-on history, 100% history, and not talk about current-day NRL stuff. So they've they've taken a deep dive over, like, the last eight or nine episodes about the Super League War, which I've just found absolutely intriguing. It is... Probably the worst time in rugby league history as an Australian fan, but one of the most interesting times. And I was a kid when that was all happening, so I remember as a St George fan being very pro ARL. Um, but it's interesting to see both sides of the story. The guys are eight or nine episodes in, and they are really just the first eight episodes has pretty much been just talking about the lead up to the Super League War. So there is so much detail there. If you're a rugby league fan, it's it's an absolute must. So I recommend checking out um, the Rugby League Digest and checking those guys out because they're doing an incredible job and a lot of hard work is going into this podcast. The other one I want to mention is uh, the Progressive Rugby League podcast. So they've they've mentioned us a couple of times in the past as well, and I do try and listen to them whenever I can. But in particular, their last two episodes that were released this week. So the boys have just come back from a trip to France. And um, they've gone to watch Toulouse play and interviewed all these sorts of player, uh, players and coaches and people involved over there. They've had two episodes, so one of them is like a scrapbook of their of their trip. Uh, I think it was probably their best episode ever that I've listened to anyway. I haven't listened to them all. But I learned so much about French Rugby League, and it was just an incredible podcast to listen to. Uh, the other one uh, was a book review uh, which I haven't listened to yet, but I'm assuming it's going to be just as good. So two episodes on French Rugby League, and uh, yeah, once you've listened to this one, make sure you listen to those guys as well. Well, guys, that's all I have time for tonight. Sorry it's been late. Thank you, Nate Gladden, for saving my ass. And uh, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. Please, if you're enjoying the show, like, share, comment, Tell your friends, uh, tell at least one friend about the show, one like-minded rugby league fan. Uh, let's hashtag grow the game together. You can find us in all the usual places on Instagram, Facebook, 
and Twitter. Feel free to send me a message if you've got news, if you're from a development club, nation, or if you just want to say hello, if you're not involved in anything at all, but you're just an international fan like me, you just want to say hi, then feel free to reach out on any of the socials, get involved in the conversation. Guys, I've been Michael Carboni. Thank you for chasing kangaroos with me tonight, and fuck you, Nagati.